Welcome, everyone. Welcome to a night recording edition of the podcast. This is a special one. This is episode number 10. We are getting it in right under the wire. The day didn't go as planned. It is 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I have five hours to get this up before the end of 2023 to complete the 10 episodes for 2023. So we're going to dive right into it. I appreciate you being here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into chapter 6 on page 63, but we're only going to go partially through it. It's a long chapter. There's a lot in here. We're under the gun a little bit. That's all my fault, but I kind of want, I want to break this up between the life events and the egoic interpretation. So let's start with chapter 6. I'm just going to carry on. Life events. Although this chapter will primarily be a description and discussion of life events. i got to turn my heater off. Let's start again. Although this chapter will primarily be a discussion and description of life events and their role in the being equation, it will also introduce the variable of egoic interpretation. Chapter 7 will then cover egoic interpretation in depth, but the need to bring egoic interpretation into the chapter on life events highlights an important point about these two variables. They are deeply intertwined. They go together like peas and carrots, Bert and Ernie, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, Brooks and Dunn, Romeo and Juliet. You get the picture. It is hard to discuss one without the other, and you can't have one without the other. A life event can be thought of as anything that happened to you and that left a memory, conscious and or subconscious. One could argue, correctly so, that under that definition, everything that has ever happened to you is a life event. This is true, and at this point, we could delve into an esoteric conversation about where, quote, life begins and where one event ends and another begins, and discuss if past life events exist and or how the life events of your ancestors may affect you. I will unabashedly state right up front that I don't have definitive, authoritative answers to many of these questions regarding past life events, oh, regarding past lives or the exact moment of life beginning. However, to understand life events in the context of the being equation, a logical leap is needed that many initially that may initially seem esoteric and hard to accept, but it is necessary. All life events are neutral. Imagine the perspective of a third of a third party, an unbiased observer. An event happens, neither good nor bad, positive or negative. It just happens. Imagine that you are a video camera recording every sight, sound, and detail that happens with zero emotional attachment to the event. Imagine that you are a little observer seeing through the eyes, hearing through the ears, smelling through the nose, and touching through the skin, but you have zero emotional connection or reaction to what is being observed. What you are experiencing is a continuous flow of life events. Our thoughts, feelings, and emotions arise from our egoic interpretation of life events. Things that happen, life events, have no meaning, no charge, and no feeling by themselves. Life events only have meaning through the egoic interpretation. Understanding egoic interpretation and the power it has on you as a being is critical. We dive into egoic interpretation in much more detail in the coming chapters, but this is a critical concept to understand, and it can initially be unsettling when one first starts to contemplate it. I'd never heard of this concept until I was in my mid-30s, and it was completely eye-opening for me, but it can be overwhelming. So have patience with yourself and revisit this discussion as often as necessary. Illustrating Perspective For me, 
understanding that life events are neutral and it is our egoic interpretation of the life event that applies the positive or negative, good or bad moniker to it came down to the concept of perspective. To illustrate perspective, let's start by looking at the following example. Imagine there's a large stack of money on the table in front of you that totals $1 million. It represents all of the money you have in the world. What was your reaction when I said $1 million being all the money you had in the world? $1 million is a large sum of money for most people. Most people would be ecstatic if they had $1 million. Would you think, wow, $1 million, I'm rich. Let's talk about $1 million from two different perspectives. First, imagine that you live paycheck to paycheck. You barely keep the bills paid each month and have no money in savings. $1 million represents a huge, amazing sum of money that would change your life. Now, imagine that you are Oprah Winfrey, Warren Buffett, or Bill Gates. Your net worth had been measured in billions of dollars. Sitting before you, this $1 million in cash represents all of the money you have left in the world. All the rest of it is gone, and now you have only $1 million. Both scenarios contain the exact same $1 million in cash sitting on the table before you. But can you imagine how you would feel differently about the $1 million in each scenario? This is perspective. In one case, you went from living paycheck to paycheck to having a huge sum of money. Many of your financial stresses and concerns are alleviated. You can breathe a sigh of relief. In fact, you may be elated. In the second scenario, you have lost billions of dollars. You now have huge money concerns and no and $1 million represents scraping the bottom of your financial barrel. How could this have happened? Since this point on perspective is critical, let's look at one more example. Imagine that you go to a friend's house for dinner. You're seated at the table, ready to eat, and your friend serves you a glass of water, a few slices of bread, and a small chunk of cheese. Now, let's envision two different scenarios that create two different perspectives. Scenario 1. You have been hard at work all day and have been looking forward to dinner with a friend. Your friend is a great cook and in the past the meals at his house have been fun affairs filled with great food and wine. You always look forward to these meals and even intentionally had a small lunch so you'd have plenty of room to eat lots of great food and drink plenty of wine. Scenario 2. You've been stuck on a small deserted island for three days. There was no food or fresh water. You are starving, dehydrated, and delirious. You are sunburned, and your head aches from dehydration. You've been dreaming about the cold, refreshing feeling of water. How do you think you would react in each scenario, seeing the food and water placed before you? Would you feel disappointed or grateful? Remember, same bread, same cheese, same water. Nothing has changed except perspective. These two scenarios represent extreme examples of perspective, but realize that everything that happens to us is exactly like this. We filter every life event through the lens of perspective. This is typically done at the subconscious level. We do not consciously pause and ask, what is my perspective on this situation? We are not even consciously aware that we are assigning positive or negative, good or bad, to every life event. It just happens and we accept it as our reality. Once we are aware of perspective, it can become a very powerful tool in the variable of egoic interpretation. 
To explore perspective further, let's look at a simple scenario from four different perspectives and see how each being in the scenario has a different interpretation of events based on their perspective. The Fable of the Four Beings Let's imagine an event involving four beings, two flies, a dog, and a human. Humor me. A dog is sleeping in his dog bed directly under a table. Two flies are on the table, nibbling on a crumb of food. A human walks in with the fly swatter and whacks at the flies, killing one while the other flies away. The memories of each of the beings may be as follows. The dog. I was startled awake by the human whacking with a stick thing on top of the table. Live fly. Dead fly and I were eating when something big came toward us. The big thing got close, swung, some, swung something toward us. It made a loud noise, and I flew away. When I circled back, my friend was dead on the table. Dead fly. Live fly and I were eating when someone big came toward us. The big thing got close, swung something, and the lights went out for good. The human. I walked into the room with the fly swatter in my hand. I saw two flies on the table. I killed one, and one got away. I woke up the dog when I hit the table with the fly swatter. Now, the imagined perspective from each being. The dog. Why is it that every time I fall asleep under the table, the human walks in here and slams something on top to scare me? I wish he would stop doing that. I don't bother him when he is sleeping. Parenthetically, notice there's no knowledge of the flies that are the cause of the human's behavior. Live fly. I must be careful when I see another one of those big things with a stick. I was eating with dead fly and that big thing killed dead fly. Dead fly. No perspective, which in itself could be a cause for debate amongst <clears throat> some who believe in a specific type of afterlife. The human. Flies are dirty. If they are outside, that is fine, but if they bring their dirt and germs into my house, they deserve to die. Here is what here is where it really gets juicy. As I've tried to show, our perspective is not always, in fact, hardly ever an exact, unbiased, just the facts, recollection of what happens. Whether we consciously know it or not, our perspective is biased by the stories we already have in our heads. Our brains often change, bend, and or warp reality in an effort to protect us from, to protect us to protect us or make reality fit the stories we already believe about how things are or how things should be. This often happens at a subconscious level for lots of different reasons. The way to check your perspective for accuracy is to move it from the subconscious to the conscious with one simple yet incredibly powerful question. Grab your highlighter, write this in your journal, tattoo this on your forehead, this is the question that can literally change your life. You ready? What story am I telling myself? What story am I telling myself? We will dis discuss the concept of story in more detail in later chapters. But for now, story can be thought of as the viewer understanding a being has about the world and how they exist in it. Perspective plays a major role in generating the stories we tell ourselves. Let's go back to the human story about the fly encounter. There's an infinite number of stories a human could be telling themselves about flies. These stories are a combination of only two things. 
what the human has been told about flies by other humans, and what the human has personally observed flies. For fun, how many stories can we make up about flies right now? Number one, my mom told me flies are dirty. All they do is carry disease and poop every time they land on something. They should all be killed. Number two, flies are important pollinators of plant species and are extremely beneficial to the ecosystem. Number three, flies are excellent at cleaning up all the leftover food crumbs we leave around the house. Number four, flies serve no purpose in the world other than to buzz around and irritate people. Number five, flies have incredibly developed eyesight. Their ocular system is an incredible feat of nature and design. They should be admired. Number six, flies are cool. I have a fly tattoo. How could you ever kill a fly? Number seven, flies like poop. How do they always find poop? Number eight, flies are amazing because they start as maggots, crawling around, and then they turn into something that can fly. That is so much cooler than going from crawling to walking like humans. Some examples. What if the human in our example had been raised by parents who were entomologists that specialized in the study of Musca domestica, <clears throat> the genus and species of the housefly? and had passed on their love and knowledge of all houseflies to the human. Let's say that this particular human grew up in a house adorned with books, posters, and abstract artwork, and long dinner debates on the classification, merits, and misunderstood greatness of the genus Musca. Thanks to his parents' love of all things Musca, this human knows as much or more about flies, including the miraculous physiology of their compound eye, the diversity of regions they inhabit, and all the ecosystem benefits they provide. Unfortunately, this particular human does not have happy memories of childhood because his parents seem to be far more interested in flies than they were in human beings. Now, every time this human sees a fly, a mighty member of Musca, he thinks of his unhappy childhood and how he blames clan Musca and wants to kill every single one he sees. The point here is that the story we tell ourselves about any situation is heavily influenced by all the past events and the stories we have told ourselves around those events. These all add up to form our egoic interpretation of the life event as it occurs in the present moment. You see, each life event has an associated egoic interpretation. Now, this is... The end of page 70, we're going to move on to page 71, which is really this deep dive into egoic interpretation. But for now, I want to stop here and leave it at that. As I said, for a couple of reasons, this is a really big deal, this idea of life events and egoic interpretation. I want you to set with those questions and really digest that in terms of maybe start to think about for yourself how you can take a specific event, change your perspective, Think about the story, all the different things that happened in your background that have caused you to apply your perspective to it and how just changing perspective can start to change maybe what that life event actually represents. I can't really understate how important this particular topic is. You know, you can dive into the Buddhists have one approach on this, but really what it comes down to is is moving something, your your perspective from your subconscious to your conscious and then using that power, your ability now to consciously realize the story you're telling yourself and decide if that's the story you want to have. This is a huge skill. It's something that as you 
learn and grow. I don't know if learn and grow is the right word, but as you practice and you see where you're automatically applying these perspectives as we work more through these chapters, you're going to see it. So I'm going to leave it there. Something for you to think about. Now we're at 7.16 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I'm excited to get this podcast out to you to wrap up our 10 podcasts for the Being Equation or the Being School for 2023. I will say, as you all are probably aware, I know this seems strange. Why am I trying to cram in 10 before the end of the year? Well, for me, I have a story. My perspective is that I set out to do something and I want to be the type of person that gets these things done. If I commit to something, I want to follow up and get it finished. And so that's why this is so important to me and it may seem wacky, whatever. And in reality, like, is it going to change the number of people listen to it? No. But what it does for me is it it starts giving me proof and adding on things. And when I say I get something done, I get something done. So thank you for being here. Here's to a happy, healthy 2024 for you, your family, friends, everyone. Keep rolling. I'm going to give you the big double thumbs up. 2024 is right around the corner, literally. Thank you for being here. Take good care. Keep rolling.